and welcome to Relatable. This is your host, Teresa Freeman. I speak with my very good friend, Chrissy Turpin, a performance dietitian. I'm excited for you to hear this conversation. In a society that is obsessed with nutrition, weight, weight loss, weight gain, and performance, we hear a lot about it. And Chrissy, who has decades of experience in this area is here to shed some light on a lot of myths. Chrissy has had experience working with sports teams and now professional clients. And while all of that is really awesome, I especially loved our conversation about how she persevered and followed her dreams to work in sports and nutrition when many said she couldn't do it. How did she find the courage to move forward? What were the keys to helping her succeed? And what advice would she give her younger self? You gotta listen to find out. Enjoy this episode. So first, let me start by asking you about your current role. What what is your what is your current job and title? And tell me if you can. I'm sure it's not this easy. But what's like a typical day in the life for you? So my current role, I'm a performance dietitian for our military. And a typical day could be anything from, well, I do a lot of nutrition consultations. So my clientele, they're a little older as, and I say older because I'm coming from collegiate athletics. We're working with 18, 19, 21 year olds. And now I'm working more with like 35 to 45. So, and they're all military. They have um, either been at an academy or they've been enlisted, enrolled. Um, so we have active military, retired military, all branches. And then um, we also have some some civilians I work with, um, military civilians, um, or not military, civilians in the military circle. Oh, right. And then, uh, we have some empl- state employees too. So uh, a different population, um, but I usually see, I'm seeing, I see like a handful of individuals for nutrition consultations. So we talk about you know, at this stage of the game, we're in high blood pressure, high cholesterol, you know, and I have, uh, my realm is sports nutrition. So we also have, I also have a, a handful, two handfuls of athletes right now that I'm working with. Um, it's still kind of early in the the school year. So it's based off the school year. So it's early in the school year to, to know exactly uh, what more my clientele that I'll see. So I have uh, people training for marathons and triathlons and army 10 milers, a huge event um, that a lot of people train for in the Marine Corps marathon. Uh, that's another popular one with uh, my clientele. So I do a lot of nutrition education with them to based on their goals, their needs, their wants. Usually when they're coming to us at our facility, this is more of a time to gather themselves and um, put themselves back together because of the demands of their job of where they were. So it could have been very stressful and didn't really have the time to take care of themselves. You know, family may have been with them, may have not. 
Um, so this is this is more of an opportunity for them to um, use our services with health and fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the services we have dietitian, which is me. Uh, we have a psychologist on staff. We have athletic trainer, physical therapist, strength and conditioning. We also have a nurse and a physician on staff. So we have a well-rounded uh, facility for for all of our military um, people. So nutrition consultations, and then nutrition workshops. Just did a workshop today on fueling for performance. So um, run, feel strong to run hard. So about fueling yourselves for a race or an endurance event. Next month, we're getting uh, what are called, we're calling it um, nutrition trunks. And then they're just basically big old boxes, like athletic training boxes. And we're filling them with um, snacks, food to help our performance leaders fuel throughout the day. Because I, it's the same behavior with this current population as it is with our 18, the 18 to 21 year olds. They wake up in the morning, maybe they have breakfast and then they go all through lunch. Maybe they'll grab a snack maybe for lunch and then they head home and then they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't eat all day. So we're providing these boxes so that way um, we can provide our leaders with some snacks to fuel themselves over the course of the day, just to fill, not to provide lunch, but just to give them some substance, just to power through, through their classes and then through the rest of the day. So this is a newer line of work for you. Let's talk a little bit about, I mean, I, well, I have a couple of follow-up questions, but I think we should talk a little bit about your prior life. And then we can, I, I think it'd be interesting to compare clients in, in a couple of different ways. So prior to working with this population, you worked with athletes and for like, a good almost 10 years, right? Eight to 10 years or something. And so tell me just a little bit about that. So I had private practice and I worked in private practice. And as a consultant, I worked with collegiate athletes. So I worked with a local, semi-local university, division one, uh, worked with them as their sports dietitian. So my role there was to educate and fuel the athletes for performance, for academic, for mostly sports, physical performance, and then also academic performance. So I would meet with these individuals for one-on-one consultations. I did a a lot of food service, which is part of our responsibility as a dietitian, um, but I felt like it was very heavily based food service. So I would work with the teams to create uh, menus from our food service, our food service provider. So we would create menus and get food delivered to their locker room or before their game for pregame meal or postgame meal. And then if they were traveling, I would also set up meals for them when they were on the road. So call local restaurants and um, try to set up so try to set up meals that were high performance. So not just like burger fries. And then try to work. I think the most difficult part about all of that as the years progressed, because I was there for eight and a half years, was we went through pandemic. And then after pandemic, food costs have gone out the roof. So food costs go up, but budget doesn't go up. You're still only allowed the same amount of money, even though food costs have went up. So that was uh, that was a huge challenge. And then while I was there, well, they didn't have a sports dietitian. So I was the first one in there at that role. So I was able to create the program and build it, which was a lot of fun. 
Um, and in that role, I also managed the fueling station. So the fueling station was like a snack bar, concession stand, but it wasn't hot dogs and nachos, right? It was, uh, we had chocolate milk, Uncrustables, all kinds of granola bars, fresh fruit. Um, and along with that, there was also like nutrition education. We had TVs up there. So we would put uh, PowerPoint um, some kind of education message up there. Like, why? Like, why do you drink chocolate milk? And why do you have peanut butter and jelly? And when should you be having the supplement? And why should you be doing food rather than having supplements? So it was a huge education piece up there. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of fun because it was a lot of interaction with, with the students. So, um, and then just being in that setting, just staying on top of like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't have kids, right? So we don't have kids. So um, you know, besides our um, her hanging puppy. out with her, her puppy, yeah, and their puppy, our puppies, our kids, but yeah. he can't really talk to us. So it's a lot of a lot of fun working with that population. And you were a college athlete, and so talk to me a little bit about your passion for this line of work. And when did you know that this is something you really wanted to do? Yeah. So yes, I was um, a Division two athlete. I played field hockey at Bloomsburg University. Uh, my last year, I was uh, all American. So, just uh, of course I, you were. <laughs> I grew up playing sports. I was the one who was outside on my bike, mountain biking, like, covered in poison ivy, swinging on vines with the boys. <laughs> like I was always getting dirty and always always active. Um, so after college, you know, I continued to be active by road races and bike rides. And then I worked in the health and fitness industry for years and I was like, oh yeah, this is really a lot of fun. So I enjoyed that. But then there, of course, there was a time where I was like, okay, it's time to do something else. So I went into dietetics and then I actually, I went into dietetics because my mom was in the hospital recovering from a, a, a pretty extensive surgery and she they had to extend her stay. She was in the hospital a lot longer than what she should have been um, because she wasn't being fed. Right. So like we tried, like nobody was giving her the right nutrition. So that way she she could be released, right? She's losing weight. She's losing strength. And I was like, you know, this isn't right. And I said, you know what? I think maybe I want to make a difference. So that's when I decided to go back to school. And then during my internship, dietetic internship, I had a wonderful mentor who is now one of my closest friends. I had the opportunity working with her at the University of Maryland. So I worked with their football team off season to help with their uh, body composition goals and weight goals. And then I worked with her. She also did some consulting with uh, what is now the commanders and the wizards. That was really enjoyable. I really liked it. And then um, I kind of fought going the sports nutrition route because it's ingrained in you in school that you should be working in clinical for a few years before, you know, to get that, to get that background and that understanding. I applied for a few positions. I didn't get them. And I was like, and honestly, like I didn't want to work with sick people. I wanted to work with healthy people. And then my mentor uh, was like, why are you fighting this? Like, why don't you just do sports? nutrition and I was like she's like you have the background you have the passion for it I was like oh yeah okay well I will so private practice and then I did some consulting at another smaller school in the area and I got that position through my internship preceptor 
So she knew about that. And then when I was doing work and then through my mentor, she also introduced me to the dietitian who worked with the Ravens. And then she found out about this position with a division one sports. So then I kind of transitioned from division three to division one and then took over that. Tell me, just because I know, so I should mention that that's really how you and I met. We met because we both were working in managing fitness centers for a company that had like several contracts with, I mean, probably most of the government facility fitness centers. So they, so we were doing that and that's, and that's how we met. And I think during that period of time for me, certainly like you were a great resource and I would say motivator and someone that like, like we did run the Marine Corps marathon. I don't think I would have done that if I didn't know you, like the fact that I actually accomplished that. And then certainly just kind of being in that fitness space. And I, I mean, I certainly loved it also, but I think you're, you, I think because you were an athlete and because like, it always seemed to me, even back then, like you had an interest beyond just the delivery of being in those centers, right? Like you would try to understand the why behind how it all worked. And so I, it's interesting that that kind of came to fruition anyway. Talk a little bit about just because you realized that you liked it and you felt passionate about it, how hard was it to pursue a whole nother degree and, and what that entailed in terms of the science and the math and chemistry, right. And all the things that are hard, like when it comes to this kind of work. Yeah. My bachelor's degree in exercise science from Bloomsburg university, I was hoping that uh, a lot of my credits would transfer. Uh, So I went to the university of Maryland college park. So I reached out there to see like what what classes I would need to in order to get up to speed. I was under the wrong impression of how quickly I should have gone through the program. Uh, so two and a half years is what I was initially told, but it ended up taking five years to go through the program. So I remember um, and my husband and I still talk about this because as soon as we got married, I went back to school. So he's like, just go full time. I was like, oh yeah, I'll just go part-time, you know, take a few classes. He's like, you are never going to get done. Like we were in a position because I also personal trained on the side. So I was able to do personal training before, after school to, you know, earn money to go back to school. So I remember jumping into this program. I was like, oh yeah, I totally want to do this. It was this, it was summer. So uh, it was a summer session, first six weeks, uh, chemistry, uh, general chemistry. And I was like, okay, well, this will be fine. So my husband was on travel for that whole, that whole first week. I remember him, he had called me the first day and he was like, Hey, how'd it go? Like, tell me about it. And I couldn't even tell him about it. Cause I was crying. <laughs> I was so upset. I mean, I've had been out of school for 10 years and going back and math is not my suit anyway. So it's just harder for me to, to, it just doesn't come easy. I have to like really study and school never came easy for me. Thank goodness for having some athletic ability <laughs> to get in the school, but I had, I had to work hard. I had to study hard. And um, I had, I can't even tell you the number of tutors that I had ac- uh, along the way because at University of Maryland, it's it's basically pre-med. Like we were in all those courses. So I had to take chemistry one, two, orgo one, two, biochem one, two, which by the way, those are those were fun classes, but you have to get to the, you have to get through the previous chemistries to get to the biochemistry. 
And then there was a class called mammalian physiology. And it was with one of the hardest professors um, on campus. And he, I think at the time, he was probably the only one that taught it. Mm. Um, so, you know, I liked it so much. I took it two times, <laughs> but mm. I got through and then, you know, I didn't really have the best, I guess the best, not that I'm looking for a cheerleader, but it was just more of guidance to get into the school and then to stay, stay in the school. I mean, I remember there was one time that I was in the yard, I think it was the quad at the university of Maryland. I remember calling my husband because my sister was getting married um, during the summer when I should have been taking like Orgo one or Orgo two. So I go to this professor and I was like, Hey, look, I can't get your class. I can't get into your class because, you know, my sister is getting married. And he like really gave me a hard time for taking that part of the summer off when he said that, you know, he really encouraged me to, didn't encourage me. He's, he pretty much was like, you need to take this class or you're not going to make it. And I was like, I'm not taking this class. My sister, my one and only sister is getting married. We're going, you know, to St. Lucia. No, I'm not. So what can I do about this? And he said, so then he looks at my grades and he was really, you know, I don't think you're going to make it. You're not going to have the grades to graduate here or even land an internship. Relatable is sponsored by TFA Soft Skills, your one-stop shop for workshops, coaching, speaking, and soft skills development. If you'd like to hire Teresa, visit www.tfasoftskills.com for more information. I remember being on the phone. I was calling my husband. I was like, can you believe this guy? I was like crying and was mad and just angry. So I kind of, I, I got the same advice when I graduated high school too. And like my guidance counselor there told me that I should not go to college because I wasn't college material. So yeah. I got bad advice along the way, but being the competitive person that I am, <laughs> heck with you people, I'm going to show you wrong. So yeah, I got through it. Um, once you get through all those science courses, like the nutrition courses were, were so much fun. I had a close knit of friends that we were all post back. So we all, this was all our second degree and created good relationships. And one of my best friends now is we still keep in touch. She's a, and she works, she works in the hospital setting. So if I need anything or need, you know, to bounce ideas, I, I have a network in the clinical setting that I can, that I can chat with. What I, yeah. And I think you, you mentioned it because you're at that competitive side. What do you think, was there anything that I, I, I should say first that I love that one. Thank you for sharing that because not a lot of people would be that, that open, but two, what do you think helped you drive to the finish? Like, why didn't you give up? Because I'm sure there's someone listening to this that might be in a similar situation, whether it's school related or in a job or right. It doesn't necessarily have to be apples to apples, but that is frustrated and thinks they can't do a thing that they want to do. Like, where did you get that like fifth gear? Yeah, I think it's more, more, I think it's more my, my hard, my hard wiring, um, mm -hmm. you know, and just starting something and finishing it and knowing that if it's. I guess if it's difficult, because it goes back to triathlons too. So not as I started them, I couldn't swim, but I was, I'm good to do this because I really want it. And I really wanted to be a dietitian. 
And I often ask myself, like, would I, would I, would I do this again in that route, knowing that it took me five years, but every time I, you know, it was two and a half years. And then I was like, oh, here's another year, another year. Oh, now you got to do a year long internship. But it was starting it and just finishing it, taking it to completion. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to quit because I think that's part of my inner athlete is not wanting to quit. And do you feel like now that you've been able to do it and you've been doing it for a while, like, are you, Paul always uses this term. I kind of like it, like self-actualized in that work. You feel like it's the right work for you. Mm-hmm. You're happy in it. You, you know, even now, you know, you're in your sort of second act, if you will, doing something a little bit different, but still engaging with people in this way. Like she's, she, you're nodding. So, <laughs> but like, do you feel like it was a good, even all to go through all that? It was worth it. It was. Yeah. yeah. And I tell students that too. One of the best parts about working up at the university was that I was a mentor too, right? I was more of a preceptor because they had an exercise science. We did, they didn't have a dietetics program there. They had exercise science. So I would get a lot of my interns through exercise science. Um, so at that point, you know, they, they, they would volunteer with me. They pick my brain and just the, the, them being in their course load was frustrating to them. They're like, oh, chemistry stinks. I can't get through. I was like, hey, look. You know, you just got to hunker down and you just got to get through it. Like, is there somebody you can study with? Is there a tutor? Like, can you, I was all these free services. Let's try that. If not, you can hire a tutor. I mean, I can't even tell you how much money I dropped on tutors. And they were probably like, oh, who is this woman? Like, she can't even get her act together, but she's still paying me. Um, So I feel like that. I mean, I, I do. I, I love my job. Like the best is when they when your clients take that information, apply it and are like, oh, you know what? I never even thought about this or you know what? I did that and I feel so much better. Like, and these are, these are my results and they gain results. And not, it's not necessarily the results it is more so the buy-in. Like it was harder for me to get the athletes, um, the younger athletes to buy in because I think a, that I was, you know, I was a little older, but I was still active. Um, but I think that's just because they, you know, they're, they're young and invincible and they can eat burgers and fries and cause they're gifted at that level. So they can still play, but they don't know how they would be able to play if they fueled themselves properly. Well, that was one question I had for you as you think about athlete, I think you've worked with three distinct populations now based on what you said with your introduction. So I'm curious as far as athletes go What do you think is the biggest mistake they're making with respect to their overall nutrition? Let's start there. Yeah. Well, the biggest mistake is not capitalizing the resources that they have available for them. Uh, I was not a division one. However, I was still a collegiate athlete looking to play at my highest level. And I didn't have, if I had the resources, then what these athlete collegiate athletes have now like I don't even know I can't even tell you but like you know I was I was very like I hunker down practice all the time ate well you know when I was eating well back in the day it was all about carbohydrates right so load up on carbohydrates but like I I did everything that I could do to make myself better so I think what's frustrating is that these younger athletes don't take advantage of what is there what they have they're available 
and like services and food and snacks and resources to help them excel. How much do you think performance for an elite athlete like that is affected by the food they eat? Uh, A lot. (laughs) Yeah. Like, right. I I, I always think about um, Novak Djokovic. So Djokovic, right. He just won yesterday. God God bless him. uh, Number Mm -hmm. 24. But I remember, and I'm horrible at figuring out time, but I want to say he's probably, it's been at least 10 years, if not more, that he had to go gluten-free. And he did it at a time when no one else was gluten-free. And I remember people feeling like it was like, you know, and Tom Brady, right. Talks a lot about like his diet too. Right. But, but that his, he, he was very public about how the effect of diet and his performance were so inextricably linked and that when he refined and figured you know, now these teams of at, at least tennis players, it's all about that. And now it's become a much more, a common tool that they're using. I think about it though, with respect to student athletes. And I think you and I've talked about this, like access to information. So they all have access to tons of information that tells them how to eat and how to train. And so they think that is gospel versus people that have like spent time in education, have life experience, you know, in terms of what works and what's best for your body. So I think this idea of like understanding what's available to you, what your resources are, and maybe taking advice (laughs) on what to do, like that it's available to you so that you can apply it and it will have a direct impact on how you perform. Yeah, for sure. sure. I think that at this, you know, growing up, I mean, not until like the last, like, six years, probably social media has grown. So that is always, that's been, that was a difficult piece and continues to be a difficult piece as I continue to do private practice, um, just with these athletes getting on social media and looking to see, oh, this person's following this diet. This person is drinking this. Oh, I should do that. Like, give me these supplements. So I think that's a battle that makes our, our, our jobs a little harder that way. Um, that's why um, I, I feel like you have to get a buy-in because if they don't believe you, then they're just going to follow whoever they want yeah. and listen to whoever they want to. What do you think if you're a normal person and you're not an athlete, right? So you're maybe having some exposure to that with this new population, but even that in terms of what those people are up against, is probably not as like your kind of average person, but it's such a massive industry in terms of people wanting to look a certain way or lose weight or gain weight. It's like this constant conversation of like, no one really being comfortable where they are, but how can I be different? What do you think in the general population is the biggest mistake people are making? I think they're not, so not being patient, and not trusting the process because people want quick results. So if it doesn't happen in a week, then I think that's, I think it's not working for me. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I've actually had that not just recently and that it was not working for this particular person, but everything that we talked about, they were not implementing uh, nutritionally or physically where it was not working out. So I think, yeah, not trusting the process and just being patient and, you know, and it's, it's not about, it's not about taking away a a lot of things or anything really, uh, or adding something. And it, 
you add something, but it's not this whole laundry list. Like you take one thing and work on it and let's see how that goes and be honest about it and, you know, document if you have to, but like at least let's talk about it. What's working for you and what's not. What do you think about willpower and discipline? And I asked that in, in two ways, because I think it's so interesting. Like you talk about from an athletic perspective of being competitive and wanting to perform well. And the, for you personally, like, and and that drove you to make decisions around what you're eating and how, you know, how you're behaving and everything and all of that. And there's a lot of people that can do that and are driven by that. And then there's a lot of us that aren't athletes at our core think we're trying, you know, we are trying in some ways, but there's this idea that like, well, if I was just a little better disciplined, if I just had more willpower to your point of like, if I took these things out and if I only <laughs> drank water and ate, you know, rice cakes. Right. So like, what is your, just cause you, you have exposure now after doing this for so long, where does that fit into it? Where does the willpower and the discipline fit into the overall scheme of of the actual results that people want to see. Yeah, it has to be a a little bit, it has to be a priority. You have to have the willpower. It's behavior change. So it has to come within. So if you you as a client don't want to, it's going to be hard for me to convince you. I think that's hard. And I've also found that um, I feel it's hard from where you're receiving this information too. So, you know, if you're getting this information from a doctor who does not practice what they preach, I think that's hard too. So if you are receiving this information from, um, you know, an unhealthy dietitian, that probably doesn't give you much motivation. If you maybe heard a story from a dietitian or a client of a dietitian on how they succeeded, I think that's probably helpful. And then I'm hoping that living and being a good example provides some motivation too. And just listening and understanding where they're coming from, where the client's coming from and meeting them halfway. So it's not, I'm not going to completely change everything. Like I want to listen, see where, where they're coming from, how they're feeling. Maybe they're, you know, drinking too much or having too much sugary, having too many sugar, sugary drinks, drinking too much alcohol, eating too late at night, not eating. And what I find with this current population is it's like, they don't eat their calories until later in the evening. So just spreading those calories out. So just, I think, trying to manage the, allowing them to think about their day and then trying to put a little bit of hope into their eyes by seeing like what little change that we can make. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, it's interesting, right? As someone who's had this lifelong thing with it myself. And I think I had this breakthrough in the last probably two years, which has really helped me from a perspective of, I think it's the why, like, why do you really want it? So to your point of like, do you really want it? Because I think what happens is people don't necessarily start out this way or want to be this way. But to your point around being honest, I think there's a lot of self, like you think you're being honest, but you're not really being honest, you know, in terms of ingesting. And so that whole idea of the tracking and then people are like, if I'm tracking, then it's like, I can't, you know, if I track, then it's becomes more like a diet and nobody wants yeah. to be on a diet or and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's, what's so interesting about the whole thing is that people have relationships with this stuff, right? Especially people that have had like lifelong issues with it. 
And so like teasing out what your relationship with it is, why you want it. And then, yeah, what are you willing to do to get it? And can you be uncomfortable to get it in both positive ways to your point around like, what are you going to add in that's going to make things better? Or, you know, what do you have to change? And so, and in part for me, kind of letting go of that relationship aspect and just saying, you know, this doesn't define me one way or the other. And now it's really more about how do I just want to function in my life as an older person and have a lot of energy to do the things and, you know, have that longevity and get to live with my kids and, you know, all that, that kind of stuff. So it's so interesting. Like, I think if you look at different demographics and what drives them, but this idea too, of really being like really honest and having that accountability partner and being able to, and, and I think for you too, and you are this like, cause we've worked together. I think, you know, you, you are compassionate and you are warm and you, I think have a way of making it practical where it doesn't necessarily have to be these huge swings, but it's like, and the education factor of like, oh, like even people like me who have known, like read a lot and have exercised a lot throughout my life and feel like I know things like you can always learn more. There's always new things to learn and new ways to, to go at it in terms of like the education aspect. So I think being open to that too, for sure. Um, so what would you say for people that are like pursuing, interested in pursuing this field, interested in, in like, in, in going after this, what are some of the things that you found with yourself or other people like your mentor that you talked about or other people in this line of work? What are the characteristics that seem to serve them well and help, help you all to be successful in this type of work? Yeah. Well, for sure, networking, right? So that's, that's what keeps us yep. successful. So that way you have people that you can reach out to, like uh, my friend who's in clinical and my mentor, you just have different pods of people. And I've been through so many jobs too, um, you know, um, prior to school. And it's just amazing when I hear people being at a job for a long length of time, or I, you know, like my husband, like he's been at his position for a long time. I was like, oh, that's amazing to be at that position. <laughs> I don't know that I could be there one place at one point for that long. Um, so networking for sure and using your resources. Like know, know the people that you're with and try to tap into them um, to know what's around them to what and what they can help you to succeed. I mean, I love it when, you know, people reach out to me and say, hey, I'm interested in a career. Uh, what can I do? Mm-hmm. Um, so to develop, I think, um, and then just also be patient too, especially now, because I know uh, to be a dietitian now in 2024, you'll have to get your master's degree before you can sit for the test. So there's a lot of combined programs too. So I, I feel like um, going on to our organization's webpage isn't always so clear, but just to reach out to somebody in the field and, you know, just make a cold call and not be afraid to do that. I mean, I, that's what I did at the University of Maryland. I was like, I don't even know anybody, but I'm going to call and see if somebody will pick up. Um, and the same thing with internships too. Like I did an internship that was a distance program. So I had to set up a number of my rotations. So that's cold calling to learn about the position if they have any availability. And then um, just don't give up. Like if this is something that you want to pursue, just take it one step at a time. De- delegate a couple hours here to do a little research on it. And then just reach out to somebody to allow them to help you navigate. How hard is the test? 
Teresa's new book, Soft Skills I Learned the Hard Way, is out and available on Amazon. She writes about many epic fails throughout her career and how she learned from them so you don't have to. This book is full of cheat codes for how you can differentiate yourself when it matters, like in interviews, trying to get a promotion, or being a first-time leader. As always, thank you, Relatable Community. We are so grateful for your support and continued listenership. As of today, we are 8,000 listeners and 15 countries strong. Now back to the show. Well, the it shouldn't be that hard if you learned a lot through your rotations, right? Your internship. And I studied, you know, I, I studied for like three months straight. And I feel most of the people that I went to school with, they they definitely studied less and took the test sooner. So, um, and yeah, then it was you, hard. It was hard. Once you, what are the, like, what are some of the, like, I don't, are there, in terms of the questions, like, they're about obviously nutrition and biochemistry and the way it all operates right in the body I'm guessing like yeah so there's different parts would be like there's a clinical nutrition there's a community nutrition um, I think there might have been some questions in there about sports nutrition uh, so they have different categories of the of questions that that comes through and then also they throw in just a, a boatload of like random questions that are not counted as part of the test but you don't know that so they'll throw that they're like test. They're like, uh, we're they're like, gonna, they're like gonna sample that they want to use for future tests or something for future. So you don't know, right. but with the tests, I can't even remember how long it was. I think you, you get like three hours, maybe four hours to do the test. And once you achieve a certain number, the test cuts off or it used to. So I was like, why isn't this test cutting off? Like I'm coming down to like the very end of my time limit. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then you start getting anxiety. You're like, oh my, I got to answer all these questions. Why is this not cutting off? Because I heard those stories. You know, some of my classmates were like, oh yeah, I got through like, you know, two hours and the test turned off. And I'm at two hours. I'm like, why is this not turning off? Um, But what was, um, what was good about it is that test turns off because you're at a computer and then it, you get your results right away. Yeah. So, um, and then they give you a score, but it doesn't really matter because you pass or you fail and that's all that really matters. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So tell me, I don't know. I, we, we've talk, talked about a couple of different moments for you with respect to being a college athlete and then having, you know, really a career before your career, right. In terms of trying to figure out what you want to do. I'm, I'm interested in this answer for you. Like when you think about your career path or you think about your life and you think about either moments that were sort of big pivotal moments for you that shifted the way you operate, or I call them like, mm-hmm. I was texting with someone earlier because I'm, I'm going to have her on this week, I think. And I, I was saying shape-shifting. She's like, what does that mean? <laughs> I was like, well, it just means <laughs> that, that like, you know, you can be going along a merry path, right? And then something happens that sort of yeah. propels you in a different direction. Or maybe it's a person, or maybe it was an event, or maybe it's something that has like, you know, positioned you in a different way. Uh, and I'm curious because I think those are some of the moments that one 
have the biggest effect on us in terms of how we process things or decisions we make, but also for other people that might be listening, it could benefit from it. So do you like, does anything stand out for you? I'm sure there's more than one, but yeah. Yeah. I think there's a couple. So being working in the fitness industry Mm -hmm. at that point, I knew there needed to be eating me. Yes. Well then you left and then I was there without Teresa. (laughs) So I had to go. I did leave. I did leave you. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> um yeah so leaving the fitness industry uh, at that point it was just great it was a lot of fun it wasn't all that mental mentally challenge challenging and I didn't want to really work in the corporate because the next step up would have been working like more in the corporate and overseeing more uh fitness centers as a manager I was like what am I doing here like teaching classes like aerobics classes doing a ton of personal training but like look personal training took me a long way I met a lot yeah. of great people through that put me through school so uh, at that point I was we I need to look for something else so it was more f- that I was looking to grow yeah and um, be to do something else with my career and then I think dietetics was that shift change was being around my mom, right? In the hospital and not being cared for. So I didn't want other people to be in that position or feel that way. So that gave me motivation there. I think too, like, I remember us having conversations about that when we were both in that kind of fitness industry and feeling like, okay, this is great, (laughs) but I'm really not being challenged. And so when you, when you sort of cast ahead, right. And you fork, cast out like what what is this really going to be and you and I were both I think at the time where maybe our peers were passing us by Mm -hmm. in terms of their own trajectory and and like that idea of like oh I'm getting lapped right now because I haven't figured this out and so that was a pretty big motivator for me I think which was like yes I want to be challenged and I want to use my brain but also like that competitive like I'm I'm being lapped and I'm feeling left behind and I don't I don't like that feeling. I want to feel like I'm in the mix. Yeah. Uh, so I can definitely relate to that for sure. Yeah. And I think too, a motivator, a motivator was there to go back to school and kind of transition out was, I mean, there's not a whole ton of money in there and not that you, not that you need a lot of money, but like, we, we, I mean, we were, we were working hard. You're we poor, poor too. Yeah. We were poor. Yeah. <laughs> We were like in a group house and yeah, getting up at like, I was like teaching, I would get up at five and teach aerobics down the road, you know, and then go teach like personal training and teach all day. And then like, yeah, you're kind of looking for the side hustle all the time because there just wasn't enough money to kind of even pay our rent at that time for sure. Um, And then the other thing I was going to say about what you, what you shared, which I think is also really helpful when you have this personal aspect to to it that helps drive you like the fact that this kind of thing of like it's it hits your emotional side of like I don't want other people to feel this way or I want to be able to you know prevent this from happening other you know that that emotional component too I think can be a huge driver um for sure yeah I feel like there's um and probably in my new position too so we also teach a course um, so I teach, uh, we teach a semester course that's broken up uh, everybody in our suite. So everybody in health and fitness teaches s- some components. So I do the nutrition this year, this semester, I'm doing three hours because they want our participants wanted more. So I get to chat three hours about nutrition, but I also think like at the end of this class, 
these students have to put together, our military uh, leaders have to put together like a personal plan. And then in this plan, it lays out, they talk about their why, like, why do you have, why are you making these changes? And they have to put together a plan using all the, all the different pockets that we, that we lectured on. So I started this job in January and then um, the semester was over, I think May, uh, April, I think April was the last of our semester, but the last two weeks are devoted to these plans. So they put together a PowerPoint and then they have to present it. And I don't know all my coworkers all that well, but I, you know, I'll just lay it. I am the most emotional person. So like if They'll look over at me and they're like, are you crying? I'm like, yes, I'm crying because it's, they've taken, well, A, they've taken all the information that you've given them and they put it together for their own, uh, to use as their own blueprint. And second of all, a lot of it comes back to family. Like, this is why I'm doing it because I have kids for my wife. I want to play softball with my kids. I want to be able to throw my grandchildren around in the pool, like just like, I don't know. It's just, it's very rewarding, but like, that's the, the emotional aspect too, of just getting all tied in. And you hear what an impact that you've made on their lives. And it's just, yeah, very emotional. <laughs> I think it's amazing because, you know, I totally get it because I am all about transformation. I mean, there's nothing better than seeing a person transform in a positive way, whatever that is. And that's why like, I love what I'm doing, which is development and training in a different way. But it it is the same thing of, of seeing someone who is struggling or wants a different outcome. And then to actually, I had, I just can re- relate because I feel like it happens in our workshops all the time where even if it's a public speaking workshop or I do this stuff with these kids where like they just, they take from it something that the, that you know will benefit them later. And it's a skill that just like what you're talking about, like it's, I mean, and you're asked, like it's a service being provided, but generally it's free to like take in information, yeah. process that information and then use it to your benefit. And so when you see it working and you see the dots connecting and then people like taking that forward, I I, to- I would be there boohooing with you. I'm like, <laughs> I totally get it. Like it's, it's super cool to have that kind of impact on people and to have an opportunity for it to all come together and to have like closure in like a programmatic way. I, mm-hmm. I totally get that. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about soft skills a little bit Okay, because it's my um, mm-hmm. favorite question. Well, one of my favorite questions that I get to ask people, which is for you in your line of work, I'm curious. I mean, obviously you are dealing with people all of the time and you know, there's lots of different ways that you have to interact and you've talked about it already in terms of helping people to like connect to and be motivated or to feel like they can sort of trust in order to do right. And so, so from your perspective, what are one or two critical soft skills that you think are super important in your, in your line of work? Yeah. Well, listening for sure. Uh, listening to clients and then not just listening, but understanding and uh, let the, let them under, know that you are you understand where they're coming from, you know. So I think that you know, in meeting them halfway, like I had talked about earlier, to not overpowering the conversation, just let them talk, take notes, and let them know that I, I hear you, I see where you're coming from, 
and then just have their feedback to work back and forth to exchange conversation to see how we can work together. Not just me telling them what to do. Like nobody wants that. And that's not, but just having a conversation and creating relationships where they can trust me and we can work together to make them improve on their goals. I can tell you, uh, anyone that's listening, like firsthand, like you, for me, did such a good job of that in terms of the, I'm sure the intake procedure, (laughs) but of just like, like before you know it, you don't know everything I've told you, but in a way that probably is very informative for you, but you do it in such a kind and sort of um, like to your point, like you're curious, like your curiosity of like learning about me and what my habits are and the things, right? That before you know, I'm like telling you all the, well, sometimes at 10 o'clock I'll go and, you know, the whole thing of like, you know, truths, the confessions and about like, you know, late night eating or whatever it is. But so I feel like it's so that you said that around the act of listening and relationship building, because that makes a lot of sense. And I should say, like, while we're ta- while we're on this topic, if people want to find you and are interested in some personal training or consultative advice, how can they get more info? Yeah. So I think through email, I used to have a website, but I don't do that anymore just because of uh, now I have a full-time job. So yeah. um, I do as a side hustle at nourish the number two perform at gmail.com. They could reach out if they have want to do any nutrition services or, you know, if anybody aspiring students want to go this route, I'd be more than happy to share more experiences and help them navigate the system for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. And then uh, as we wrap here, how, when you think about this journey to date and you put your arm around young Chrissy, <laughs> think what would you tell her that would help make the path just a little bit easier what would i tell her to make the what path advice would you yeah what would advice would you give her to reassure her oh well advice what would i tell her as um, a high schooler is that you should take school a little seriously, a little more seriously, because that would have made things a whole lot easier from the, out of the gate. What else would I tell her? Well, that's kind of put me on the spot. I would tell her to put your head down. If this is something that you wanted, you should continue to go with it. Don't listen to those outside noises coming in your head. and. You know, I think part of some of it, too, is like not compare yourself to other people. Like this is something that you want to do, then you should go ahead and do that. I mean, the health and fitness industry, like we didn't we didn't really make much there, like you said. Right. So if that's something that you enjoy, like try to figure out a way to, you know, make it make it work and make more money and maybe create a position. But it's not always black and white and that line. So if it's a field that you like try to create a position using those skills that you have for that field. One thing just follow up on, which I think you demonstrated by talking about people that were in your life, not only not cheering you on, but actually demotivating or not supporting you. And like you having to fight through that, what I would characterize almost as rejection, like as people mm-hmm. telling you no and people telling you you can't. And so this idea of like, don't listen to the noise and 
you know, fight through that. And if you believe it to be true, like stay true to that, which I love. And then the other thing that I want to ask you is just because you, you are someone who has, and you've talked about it, like kind of throughout this conversation, but you are someone who's always had such a strong work ethic. You are someone who is like always so thorough. I don't know. You always put so much effort and thought into everything you do. Mm -hmm. So where does that come from? I don't think that's inherent. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think that you're just born with that. So is that something you cultivated? Yes. And I also feel that it's a lot of my parents in me, right? Because they had to work hard. I mean, my parents taught me when I was young, they didn't have much, you know, and they, you know, they had um, me and then my sister and like, they were always working. Like my dad, you know, my dad, my dad never really complained about going to work. You know, uh, he was a, a blue collar worker. Um, he would just do it because that's what he had to do. And my mom, she was working like three jobs at a time and not because she had to, you know, when we were younger, she stayed home with us. Um, but, you know, she was real, um, you know, determined to, you know, watch her pennies and, you know, we, we cut coupons and we buy store brands. But like when she, once we were in high school, she went back to work, but she loved the, loved the hospitality. So she would do catering and she would work at a restaurant. Like she was working all the time, like not all the time that we didn't see her just because yeah. she loved it. So I think I get a lot of that from, from my parents. I, I love being surrounded by people like community. What I love about this job is that I haven't had it for a long time in previous positions, but there is such a community there that just makes me feel, uh, it's just, it makes it fun. Like I had it in the health and fitness industry. I mean, we knew everybody, right. From <laughs> every agency, if they came to the fitness center or not, we knew everybody. Yeah. But I kind of feel that way now. And, you know, I have a good relationship with my coworkers. So I think that gives me motivation to just to, to work hard, to keep the program of, of where it is. And then also hold, uh, you know, to make sure that I'm doing my job to be. So my, my, I guess my boss is proud of me. I guess that's kind of cheesy, but <laughs> to do well. So it, the program does well. And he thinks, you know, my boss thinks good things of me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. And I think maybe for both of us, because we were, I would characterize us as late bloomers. And I think that when you're a late bloomer, there's while you're in it, it kind of blows, <laughs> but then on the other side of it, some of the, these characteristics of being hardworking, of pushing a little harder, of, of wanting to make sure that I think you're seen in a way that like represents who you really are. Maybe not who you were when you were like, like I was saying before, like when people are lapping you. So I think it's this idea of like, there's that little fifth gear of, you know, I'm not like, I can prove it to myself, but I'm also going to prove it to other people that I've had what it takes. And I also, not only do I have what it takes, but I might even be doing better than the next person now that I've finally figured it out and got myself an opportunity to, to be in the mix. Thank you so much, Chrissy. Loved what you said about how most people aren't eating enough and that timing of what you eat is very important. Don't compare yourself to others and the importance of building trust and relationships. 
Oh, and don't forget to email Chrissy at nourish2perform.com if you're interested in a consultation. That's nourish and the number two, perform.com. Thank you to Missy for producing this episode and to Hannah for your support. A big thank you to our relatable community. If you enjoyed this conversation, please take a moment and subscribe and rate us on your favorite streaming platform. Relatable is sponsored by TFA Soft Skills, and you can find more information about Relatable and our sponsor by visiting tfasoftskills.com. Until next time, this is Teresa Freeman with Relatable. Stay connected.